Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Daniel Beaver. Daniel's been a long-time resident in Munich and hails from Preston, England. We open our chat with discussion about one of Daniel's podcasts, Beavercast, where he and some comedian buddies discuss the latest news and happenings. We get into the comedy scene in Munich, where you can find a show, the performers, and what kind of atmosphere you can expect. Daniel recalls what it was that brought him to Germany, and what other opportunities he's been able to explore since arriving. There's talk about performing at the Edinburgh Fringe, some advice for those who are thinking of performing at an open mic, stealing jokes, and a super top five. All this and learning to swear properly. Let's get right to it. Daniel Beaver. I don't watch TV anymore. So I do um, this uh, this one called Indie League, but we haven't done an episode for months. And it was me and a mate. And we just live locally. And you can get this thing called a buy-in ticket which means you can travel unlimited throughout the whole of Bavaria. And Bavaria is massive. And we just go, basically go to a football game, but always random, like in a village or something, and just get really drunk. And then take pictures and then put it on a website. But invariably, we'd end up talking about football, football culture and politics. Mm. And then I got another mate of mine and we did that. And this new one I'm doing now is... Just so I do stand if anyone does I do stand up comedy in Munich and uh so I get a couple of the other comedians and we just talk about whatever's in the news or like problem solving, like agony ants and just chat shit really. Well the one I saw you post the other day was it had you were talking about Kanye. I haven't listened to it yet, but yeah. it had Kanye and it had I can't remember, whatever it was like three or four in the Yeah, in the Kanye table. West and um, Pink Barnes in China. Right. Because <laughs> they they do this, they have a like a what was it? Was it Farmville? Yeah, Farmville. And they have farms of people in China who work on this and they'll dig up the, you know, the rare items that you can get or you can buy and they'll sell them. And apparently one is a pink barn. I don't think they do this anymore because Farmville is not popular. So you have this camp where you have 40, 50 Chinese people working in some kind of horrible cellar or something. Specifically, their job is to mine for fancy things that you can't get normally I, and i couldn't believe that was a job and then just other shit like um kanye west because talk now is i think in england you'd say ye, officially it's called kanye but i was thinking it's like in old english be ye, ye oldie canway with his like farm or <laughs> and just bullshit like that really yeah i saw what was the consensus on kanye west that i'm curious is uh when we get to the top five but at the end of the pod, or maybe if I edit it at the end of the pod, yeah. one of the questions might be something like, so who do you not get or who's overrated? You know, something yeah. like that. And musically speaking, this is one that has come up from time to time because he is definitely a legend in his own lunchtime. You know? He's, he seems to be like, he seems to be a very good businessman. Like, yeah, I believe he made most of his money from like clothing labels and things like that, but he seems very cynical. Like I read, he, re- he released this Bluetooth speaker and a new album. But the album was, you could only listen to this new album by buying the Bluetooth speaker. And I feel that's kind of just like cynical cashing in. And and now with all the right-wing politics, he's just turned into such a joke. 
the guy's like, I'm not sure he was that musically talented anyway, and now he's just some... Aye, it's, it's hard to kind of uh, yeah go anywhere from there. But uh, Kanye well, West, it's this... Uh, I remember seeing him perform at Glastonbury, like on the telly. All right, obviously. okay. And uh, what a waste of time that was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I watched all of it, but it's just, it's that, you know, Glastonbury, right? They'll look... Yeah. 90% of them or whoever plays the main stage or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. the pyramid stage or whatever it is, they'll have a band and all that. They'll have the bells and whistles, right? No, 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 no. Just him. That was it. Right. He did it to his yeah. to his Bluetooth speaker probably, right? Right, so yeah. I just He seems like he's just cynical. It's using the music as a cynical vehicle to sell whatever shit he wants to sell. And now, but the whole swing to the right, I don't see how that helps at all. Anything. I, I honestly think he's a, he's got some. He's gone crazy. He's, he's, he's crackers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what the deal not, is. It's not good. I think whoever his advisors are, someone needs to speak to him and say, "Look, Kanye, you're going nuts, mate." A friend needs to say, "You need to rein it in," you know, because <laughs> you're going to ruin your. Is he even a person or is he just a brand? I don't know. Well, he had a thing with Adidas, right? Adidas dropped him. Yeah, yeah. No wonder. Yeah. And they've I mean, got I all this stock apparently. Right? Yeah, they're like, oh, what are we going to do with it? Yeah, I wonder if they're more sensitive to it because it's a German company. Like, there's certain things, especially in Germany, they're rightly so. They're hypersensitive uh, to, not, not cool with. No, I don't no. think any brand would be. Who wants to be associated with that? Speaking of solo performers, then, mm-hmm. since we're, we're not comparing you to Kanye West or anyone else of a solo performer, but uh, you were you were just before we could. Have sp- press record there you were uh-huh. telling me a little bit about the the comedy scene in munich yeah it's really good it's thriving i had a berlin comic just yesterday saying like he reckons berlin's number one and then munich's number two i think maybe because there's a lot of expats here but there's a lot of people that want to try comedy and i think what makes it better is there are a lot of vehicles for people to do that so there are lots of opportunities to get stage time so you get more people who have the chance to do more comedy so naturally just the more you do something, the better you get at it. So there's a pool of comics here that are really good, like really funny. And um, so there's two English. Currently, there's there's three English shows a week, and I do two of them. I manage two of them. And there are a lot of German shows daily. Sometimes there are two or three daily. But they often say, all right, we can have one or two English comedians performing. English-speaking comedians, not English nationality. Yeah. And the main thing is you get a lot of I think I'm the only English person doing it, but there's uh, generally the English-speaking ones, a lot are from India or Pakistan, and various nationalities, but they speak English brilliantly. Like, there's a guy from Georgia, there's an Italian, but their English is really good, much better than their German. And there's some Germans that only want to do comedy in English. They feel like the, the language of comedy is English, not German. So you get loads of comics, there's a big pool. Every show I do... There's a limited number of spots, obviously, because it can't go on for four hours. So every time there's there's more people wanting to perform than than available spots. So that's a yeah, good sign. So the <laughs> it's thriving here. And so I've started to do like bigger shows, like ticketed shows. And the whole thing's growing. Yeah, it's it's healthy. And it, it's really fun. And generally the people who do it are really nice people. There's no egos, you know, everyone's really happy doing it and supportive and yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of it. It's great. Are you in that place where people can make a living from it yet? Or are you in no. that kind of halfway house between... No, there's... Nobody in Munich is making a living from it. I think there are some in Berlin. 
I'm in a place where you can start to do a few shows that are like ticketed paid. And I've done a few of those, but you couldn't make a living off it, no. And I'm not sure as an English speaking comedian you ever could here. Because obviously, we're in, I mean, bottom line is we're in Germany, right? So in German, I think you could definitely, but in English, nah. But at best, it'd be like a sideline, a nice part time job. Uh, recently, I spoke to a Chicago native stand up comic or mm. stand up improv uh, performer as well. And he's based in Amsterdam and they have, it's called Boom Chicago, I think it's called. I probably got that wrong. I should remember. And uh, yeah, he's performing there five nights a week with nice. a cast of six or seven other performers. Okay, cool. So, yeah, it's interesting where these things are popping up. There is people who do make, I know people who do professionally, but they generally they'll have a base wherever that might be. So I know someone in Barcelona who's an American and they'll just be invited to do gigs or they'll pop off and maybe do three in an area, then come back or maybe spend a week doing that. And those guys do make a living out of it. But I think generally, even then, they probably got a sideline, you know, to try and make extra money. But that's probably the same in the UK or the States. How many people actually would make a living out of it? I don't know, actually. It's not an easy game, right? You know, it's, No, no. But, but you're comfortable where you are. I mean, not financially comfortable, but comfortable mm. in the way things are running. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's given yeah. your artists a kind of a, a stage, literally. Yeah, I think for me, it's like quite important to uh, create kind of a community feeling where it's supportive because it's hard to go on stage on your own and not feel that everyone's with you. Because often for all the comic comedians, sometimes you try new material and it's bombs. It's awful. Whereas if other people are really supportive, it makes it easier to go on stage. And there's a feeling, certainly with the, the shows that I do, there's a nice sense, I don't know about that, but there's a nice sense of community and, you know, we help each other out and it's... They're good guys. Do you think it's like the advent of social media or the increase in social media that's given people the confidence or self-confidence to go and try something like this? Maybe 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't such a... People would do it, right? But yeah. mistakes were higher in that case, maybe. I wonder if, if it's actually the opposite. I wonder a lot of people kind of stay in and social media has made people quite closed in, uh, do a lot of solitary things. Whereas the comedy stuff is about getting out, performing in front of people, mixing with actual people. People use social media to, uh, media to advertise themselves or a show, but I think the actual performing is more for that human element. I've got no evidence to prove that. Um, well, no, I don't just, know. Just but it's, it's what I think, yeah. I yeah. mean, I think maybe people use social media, so, social media is a way to see those opportunities, as in like, oh, I saw on Instagram, or I saw on Facebook, there's this show, so I might go and give it a try. But I'm not sure it's the reason behind it. And I'm not, I think it's only a way that people have learned there's an opportunity rather than influencing them to want to do it. So I've just started trying to get into put TikTok videos on and Insta reels and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's a drug, man, when you see like, oh man, I've got loads of hits, thousands of hits. This is brilliant. Or God, this has only got 200. What's the problem? Oh, I don't. I, I don't really understand. I'm learning. Well, now you're getting I mean, into the realm of people's attention spans or algorithms or all this other kind oh of God, inexplicable yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that untangible stuff that you can't really. You don't know where it starts and where it no. ends. I've got no but idea. You feel like you have to do it because if you don't, then you're you're missing something. Well, missing yeah, a trick, you know? and you never know. Like someone might see something, a video, and think, "Oh, this guy's good," and then maybe offer me a job or or another kind of opportunity. So 
And also, it is kind of fun, you know, to pop a video on there. And, yeah. How are your social media skills then? How's your crap? Uh, I mind to so. <laughs> crap. I, I need to be better at it. Or actually, I try. I mean, that's not strictly true. But when you see other people's, you think, "Oh, that's quite." I know. How do you do that? They must (laughs) be spending a lot of time on it. And I wonder if sometimes there's like a certain. If you were born into it, then you kind of did what it's called digital native. Whereas if you're not a digital native, then it generally it's like it's not inbuilt. It's like okay, this doesn't come naturally to me, so I'm gonna have to look at it and figure it out. Because I know often like I want to be good at it. I don't know where to start. So I'm just like, boo, here's a picture, post a picture. Or I think this is funny. Or, or this, that, and the other. So I'm no expert. Learning, man, learning. But I think if you have a, a bit of time in your hands, a wee bit of patience, yeah. some YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. The other day we yeah. were talking about uh, Da Vinci and stuff yeah. like that, right? Great tools where you can just take your time to go through it and put yeah. something oh, together yourself. God, the tools are there. Absolutely. And I've, cause I've done video editing for something else in the past. So I'm, I'm comfortable with all that and cameras and things like this, but it's more, I think I think too much about it. It seems from what I gather, the best way is just to keep posting, keep posting, keep posting, keep posting. And then eventually you get some traction. From what I gather, that's the best way. But what the fuck do I know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the proof said they put, I was going to say, I know, yeah, I can't, really I can't, really, I can't I can't confirm nor deny. What brought you to Munich, man? Uh, same story as loads of other people here. So my um, my sadly now ex-girlfriend, she got a really good job here. And my job wasn't so great back in my hometown. So she just said, oh, I've got this good job. Do you want to come along? And I said, yeah. And the living together proved to be a bit of a disaster. Like, sadly, you know, it all, you know. But nobody really did anything wrong. It was just one of those things. So we split uh-huh. up. And then I didn't know what to do. Should I stay here in Munich or leave? At first, I found it very difficult to fit in because I found that basically the German directness, shall we say, really pissed me off. Whereas now I know it's just the way they are. It's not rude. But then I felt it was really rude. And I thought, what can I But I decided to stay. And it was a good decision because where I'm from, Preston is my hometown. They're just, you know, you've got people with master's degrees working in call centers. There are just no opportunities. Whereas here, I found there's just a lot more opportunities. So I've been able to do different things, and and that's what kept me here, I think. Yeah, so that's the reason I'm here, and there's a lot of other people here with the same story. A lot of people came here for a job, but a lot of people also, expats came here for love. And yeah, I'm one of those guys. And now you're just here for the football and the beer and random podcasts. With, random podcast football. Australia. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm fucking, yeah, I, you know, I've carved out like a half-decent life for myself here, yeah. That's what it's but, all about. And yeah, think, yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm happy like... in a nutshell, you know. And also, like, leave. I'd recommend it to anyone, even if you go back to live in the UK. I'd recommend leaving for a while, trying something new, just to uh, get a different attitude, a different way of thinking. I, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. If I had kids, I'd be like, go live in another country. You might stay there forever, you might not come back, but go, 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 go. Um, before we started recording, you were mm. also telling me about you were doing some theatre things or you have in the past yeah. or you, you still... Not at the moment, with? no, but I used to do a lot of like, theatre plays. So I joined this like sort of theatre group here in Munich and I did lots of uh, lots of plays. I did, I did some acting training back in England. Uh, so maybe in. that's a good a good segue in there. Did you have a background in any of this? Yeah, kind of not, stuff not like in the, I, I wanted to. 
And I did like. But you, you went an extra on Corey or anything? No, like no, no. But that would have been great. Uh, no, I did like a like an acting course, but I did it just before I came to Munich, so I didn't really have the opportunity to to apply it in England. And then I came to Munich, and then suddenly I got the opportunity to like, oh, I can use some of my skills, and I got really good roles. And the roles led to me doing play a couple of plays in Luxembourg, a couple in Belgium. Um, was there one I saw advertised that was a radio play or a series of radio plays? I did a radio play, and, uh, and um, like I was the host and acted in it in this place called America House in Munich, and it was uh, like Halloween themed. And, um, yeah, that was really seen, cool. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was a really good experience. I'd never done that before, and I really, really enjoyed it. A lot of it is you don't have to learn lines, right? <laughs> you can read it. So thank God for that. And I did a. I've done some like movie stuff, uh, film stuff. And then, uh, what would, would you say your your forty is? Are you you comfortable with all of them? I am. Whether it I be am. straight roles or stand up, or... I am. It seems to be stand up or a villain seems to be uh, <laughs> where I'm most comfortable at. But I really the stand up's kind of taken over a bit now. But I want to get back into doing other things as well. But the stand up's like takes a huge amount of my time, and it seems to be really growing. So it seems to be this maybe is the best place to focus my efforts. That sounds really serious and dry, doesn't it? Fucking. <laughs> we, need to, we, just, need that, we need that. Get uh, the fucking hell, like, uh, but it's just it's just plain old fun. I mean, you can, sometimes you can't go wrong with just this is a really good laugh. Literally, was it a case of you being more proactive to to search these things out, or was it a bit of both? Some things kind of landed in your way, or you you met some like minded people. Well, you know, there's like the Edinburgh Fringe, um, so it's like yeah. The, Bit like biggest arts festival in the world, amazing. And I did right. a play with a really good friend of mine, and um, it was just me and her. And we like got the theatre, and it was in the, like the Royal Welsh Academy, so it was a really cool theatre. And I did this play; it was in Edinburgh, and I had no real thoughts of doing stand up comedy. And in spare time, you watch lots of shows, and there's loads of comedy there. And I just like a lot of people have. I thought mm, I can do that. I thought I'll have a go. And um, I did um, my first open mic thing in London. And it was pure terror. I remember before I was supposed to go on, I ran to the toilet. The men's was further away. So embarrassingly, I ran into the women's toilet because I thought I was, it was like, I'll vomit on the floor unless I've just, I've got to get. And I just, I didn't, I wasn't sick, but I stared at myself in the mirror. You've got to do this, Daniel. If you back out, you regret it. And I have no actual memory of doing it. I was so scared. I really, I, I, I swear, I have no memory. Yeah, I only know, I only recorded it. Like, I only recorded the audio. That's the only reason why I, I know it's not a dream. And then, um, and I went back to Munich, and I did a couple of shows here, and I thought this is great. But I thought, you know, I'd like to have a, a little bit more control over it. So I started my own show, and it's gone from there. But I thought I'll give myself the opportunity, and the best way to do that is to create my own thing. Oh, is, that kind is of that advice you'd give to any uh, anyone who's maybe thinking about jumping in at the deep end or dipping their toes into the I'd water? I'd say at first, at very first, just do it. Don't think. Well, don't be like, oh, I think I'll wait a couple of months and plan out my material. Don't do that. Get up and do it tomorrow. If you really want to like do put it, just five minutes together. Put five or minutes get... together, or even three minutes, and then get on stage and just absolutely do it. Don't procrastinate. You'll just get. Um, You'll find a reason not to do it and then jump on stage. And I absolutely guarantee, even if you don't do well, but you always get a lot of goodwill from the audience if it's your first time. And even if you don't do well or whatever, you will feel amazing afterwards. And regarding starting a show, I think that depends on the individual. 
some people just really don't want to get involved in the organization. They just like to turn up, perform, go home. And there is a lot of organizations to it. There's more than you think. And that's just not fun. There's no fun in that. No. So I think some people, depends on your personality. I, I like I like to kind of have my own thing. So I, I don't mind doing it. Whereas, but also if I turn up to perform in other shows, it's bliss. Hey, I can just come here, relax, do my thing. Ah. Whereas often with the show I'm doing now, it'd be fucking problems, panic. <laughs> and then I've got like, right, I've got to start in 10 seconds. And then it's just change my face, bang on stage and do it. There's a clip I saw online, uh, might have been a couple of weeks ago when you posted it, but it was about the Augsburger Arschlecker, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> it was kind of interesting because it seemed to be the people in the crowd, I guess now's as good a time to find out if any of the crowd were predominantly German that night. Absolutely, yeah. Generally, that's not the case, but this crowd was predominantly German. And I already knew what it meant, but it's kind of funny with, I find it funny. <laughs> to ask Germans to explain what bad words Sweeting are. Words, yeah, dirty. <laughs> like, Arschleck is like, uh, uh, you, I think the English would use arsehole, but it means more like arselicker. Arselicker, I think. Yeah. I would say. Um, and it's just funny to get someone to explain that to me. And the, <laughs> and the crowd, you could see on the clip, the crowd are really laughing. They really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it. funny, man. Yeah, yeah so they're kind of like, oh, what's he saying? And um, so, yeah, it's enjoyable. But that's actually true, first German day. Because I went to watch a football game and it was 1860 against Augsburg. And we went up to Augsburg and they're all shouting, Augsburger, Ashlecker. And I thought, what does that mean? And then they said, oh, right. <laughs> so then I knew. So a lot of my, my football, some of my German's bad, but my football German and my bad word German are just about perfect. But the rest of it's, it all starts, I think, you know, that's when it starts and where it ends, you know, at least in my experience. I can know? swear a lot. Yeah, you get profanities, right? You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're but still, right if I'm really angry, though, if something's really pissed me off, like someone's nearly killed me when I'm cycling, then I switch into English. It's like default. Well, you can swear properly then, right? I just, and I can really just... <laughs> With I don't gusto. Have to think of, yeah, really. Like, and it only ever happens when... The only time I lose my rag is when someone's nearly killed me in their car and they're not apologetic. They look at me like I'm the... But it's like, fucking mate, you nearly killed me. So that's the only time I really break out into English swearing. I'm not proud of it, but <laughs> no, but but you nearly killed me, mate. You know, I'm not uh, upset just because you know you spilt my beer. I'm not bothered about that. But when people nearly kill me, yeah, I get upset. And it's a bar there called Schwarze Dackel, and that's more like a regular pub, if you can imagine. And the other place is called Beverly Kills, and it's in the, the uh, an area called the Glockenbach Viertel, and that's more like actually it's like a hip hop nightclub pop nightclub so i get the space from eight till ten and then when the show's over it it turns into what it really is which is a nightclub but the guys who own it they're happy because it's an extra two hours of punters buying drinks yeah and then obviously some of them stick around for the nightclub after i'm happy because it's a uh everyone's happy it's a free place to perform so that's was a good it a opportunity. Case of you chapping on some doors to find some places to play. What was it like? Often, when you, give us a, an idea of the timeline when you you first moved to Munich, and or how long you've been doing doing this. The comedy. So I've been. I was in Munich for years before I started doing comedy. The comedy is relatively new, and it was just a case of I did a show. It was called Comedy Kills at the same venue, Beverly Kills, and that was on a Friday and a Saturday. But it's in German. But I said to the girl, "Can I do it in English?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, no problem." And I did it. 
And we just got chatting, the guy organized it called Alex. And he said, look, you could use this as a venue. So I spoke to the owners. So they already had a successful Friday and Saturday before the nightclub. And I said, well, you're open on Thursdays. Do you want to do it on Thursdays? And they said, yeah. And um, I think we've done 60 shows there now, maybe more. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where everyone's happy. And the other one was, I wanted to start a second one. And that was, yeah, you go around to various venues and ask, hey, are you interested in this? A lot of places say no. Honestly, I don't understand why. It's like, oh, I'll do all the work and here's some free money. (laughs) You know? um, What a nightmare. I don't. But a lot of people just are not interested. So there is a bit of knocking on doors. And um, But the place with the Tuesday now, they were they said very they were very little cautious at the beginning, which is completely fair enough. We'll have a bit of a trial. The trial works because people want to come and watch stand-up comedy. They're happy. They're happy now, and, and I'm happy too. So, I mean, the ultimate thing as well is, is getting bums on seats, right? Yeah. How, how have you found that? Is it a very transient kind of... It's it's uh, it's hard to atmosphere audience, you know. Is it generally it's expats who live here, and generally you don't see the same faces twice. And the it's so unpredictable how big the crowd is going to be. Sometimes the crowd isn't big. Sometimes it's rammed, and I couldn't tell you why, because all the metrics you can look at, how many people on Facebook are interested, and the other things all say, well, it's going to be busy. Whoa, we're in for a busy night tonight. And suddenly it isn't. Sometimes the last two shows we've done, all the people who work in gastronomy say, oh, January's the worst month. Biggest crowds we've ever had. Rammed. So I had someone write to me today, even one of the people who went, said, oh, it was a really good show. I really enjoyed it, but it was too full. And it's, honestly, don't ask me. Same kind of promo thing every week, but varying amounts of people. So that's the other thing. How do they they be in the audience? How do they mm-hmm. know where you are? I mean, are you you would as we just talked about the social media yeah. kind of thing, but is there another platform that they can or do they just they just no. know what's there? I, I kind of ask them um before, like chat chat chatting and it's Google search, it's Facebook, it's Eventbrite, it's meet uh, meetup. So maybe they're looking for it specifically. Got, then, yeah, right? it, yeah, often also people are just saying it's Thursday night, what's the to do? And they'll have a look around and they'll see there's a comedy night and they'll go to a comedy night. Some people are comedy fans and they think, I'll go. Some people want to try it themselves, so they think they'll have a look. How does it work? Some people are friends of the comedians, you know, so they'll come along to support whoever they, whoever's performing. It's a real mixed bag. Like, honestly, there's no... If I could, if I could figure out exactly to make sure it's full all the time, I'd do it. But I'm not sure there's any rhyme or reason to it. I wish I could figure it out. And generally, I think the venue helps as well. You know, if it's, it's a good a, venue. They're in good, they're in good locations as yeah, well. Yeah, good locations. So both locations where I perform are, are known and easy to get to. They're not out of town or anything. So that helps. But apart from that, I couldn't tell you. I think, and then shows do get a good rep. Like, okay, you know, like anything, word of mouth. Oh, this is a good show. You're good. You're going to check it out. So then word of mouth helps too, but. I don't know. <laughs> That's the long way of saying I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Since we're, the, we're recording this in the first week of uh, January 2023. 20, yeah. I can't what, get what used to 2023. Not yet, anyway. No, it's, probably next week it'll sink in. It'll, yeah, the, well, next month. I haven't had a beer since Monday or Tuesday either. It's now Friday, so I don't I'm, know. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying this dry January. I'll do and, the dry one in February or March. I find it easier to do it then. 
I think so. I, it's I'm too not, soon, man. You know, it's too soon. After. I'm kind <laughs> of because the shows are all in bars, so obviously you've got alcohol flying around everywhere, and uh, I'm all right with it. I'm not. I'm not kind of tempted, but yeah, sometimes it's not really like I need a beer. It's more I just fancy a beer. Maybe that. Maybe I'm fooling myself, and I'm actually raging alky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, that'd be nice to have a pint. You know, resolutions and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, New Year's rather, resolutions. Rather, yeah. rather than use resolutions, what about goals and aims and objectives and what plans have you got for the year ahead? Then, or at least in the next six months. You know, since we were um, talking about God, you, life. Going really. to Edinburgh in the summer. Yeah, that's the plan. Like, do a solo show in Edinburgh. So I went there last year before COVID. I did the theatre play. And um, last year I went um, specifically to do comedy, but I did like spots here, spots there, and just got to know people. That was really fun. Really enjoyed it. So the aim this year is to bring my own solo show. So at the moment, just trying to build up to do 60 minutes. And then so I do some shows in, I did my first kind of big show, if you like, in, in December here in Munich. Me and a friend did it. So I did 30 minutes, he did 30 minutes, and we had some improvised comedy and roasting. And that was packed, sold out completely. Could have sold easy an extra 30 tickets on top. Thank God that was a success, you know, because I was really worried. Will it be a complete failure? I don't know. A bit of added pressure, right? Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Because it's not like, uh, it's this is my name now, you know, rather than hide is not the right word, but you can already, I'm behind the name of a show. So that was tricky, but it was but again like i had no idea how it was going to go and it was a big success luckily so it's like take that develop that perform in different cities try and get a bigger name on social media in general just start to do bigger and bigger and better shows so like so the this year is the aim is by august to do my own solo show that's the aim this year and also keep the shows going the two i've got make them bigger make them better because the really fun have you found to... a broom cupboard to stay in in Edinburgh or under the stairs? No, somewhere again, or under really the lucky. Like, no, one of my like, one of my best friends lives in Edinburgh. Well, otherwise, I would. Otherwise, I won't be able to do it. Like, it'd be no chance because it's too expensive. It's ridiculous, actually, how expensive it is. It's priced normal people out of going. I think that's a, you just, a, a, which is a only which is only negative for like the arts. There's so much talent, but if you can't go, you can't go because it's too expensive. You might be the best comedian in the world, but if you haven't got the money, you can't go. Which is a real shame. I'm a, I can only go because I've got a, a free place to stay. Otherwise, it'd be impossible. So yeah, personally, like, I'll also start to do more videos and I want to do more character comedy. So that's my aim. The big one's August. August, Edinburgh. Because for me, that feels like a, bit, a big thing, you know, really. If I can do my own solo show there, I'd be really happy. Really happy. What advice would you give to uh, someone who's wanting to try out then? You know, like if you were someone come up to you and asking to do their five or ten minutes. Yeah. But they I'd didn't say, know where to start. You know, I'd say if, if I would say, number one, do it as soon as possible. Number two, if you're not sure what to do, I'd say absolutely keep it your own material. Number one, keep don't copy anybody. It's got to be original from you. And I just have a think about your life sit down and write a list, what I love, what I hate, things that interest me, things I'm passionate about, try and find the funny in it. You could do those, well, I don't know what you call it, like spider diagrams, mind charts. You know, you have a word in the middle and then there's lots of- Mind map things. Mind maps, that's it, yeah, that's thanks. And um, mind maps and then try and figure things out and then give it a go. Like I said, for 
the first time you get a lot of goodwill first few times so you can experiment and then figure out all right that worked we'll keep that that didn't work why can i change it change the vocabulary change the style try it again maybe it doesn't work again there comes a point where you have to say this idea is just shit bin it um and this idea is good and uh, what i like about comedy is you know it's good because people laugh it's about as simple as that they laugh or they don't so obviously if they laugh it works then you can keep that little bit and then start to build so two minutes becomes five minutes five minutes can become 10 minutes but the only way you know is performing in front of a live audience that's the only way to know and then by people laughing and not you just you know trim off what doesn't work build what does and eventually you start to build a bigger set and don't be scared to try new material and if it bombs it bombs oh, don't worry about it the first of the last one right that's i don't I, you could guarantee no yeah because you want to try new material and then grow of course um, what you think might be funny and what might work oh god complete I, opposite effect oh i remember one side this story about it it's nonsense but my mum came to visit and she brought this stupid present with her and I thought it's the funniest thing in the world. And I was telling people just the story what happened in, in pubs, friends, and they were laughing their asses off. And I tried to do it on stage, bombed, died, awful. And I'm still mystified. But I learned a le- <laughs> but I learned a lesson. It doesn't work. So like there's no point in banging my head against a wall with it, just bend it. But again, that was how I learned, just by doing it. Afterwards I felt oh, something horrible inside. My soul is dead. Nobody's laughing. Oh, <laughs> oh god yeah yeah it's kind of a horrible feeling but still the afterwards the adrenaline of doing it it feels great i'd say my advice is number one just do it don't think just do and analyze not have a listen to what you did figure out what works and what doesn't and then build from that and grow do you record most of your shows everything, and then everything. go back and have listen back I rec- again i record everything sometimes i don't because Oh, it's just laziness, really, if I'm honest. Sometimes, I don't know, I need to. I record, but I, I make a point of recording everything. Um, just so you might remember, oh, I did that spontaneously based on what someone in the crowd said, but that could really work. And then listen back, what was it? And then figure things out. Or also you can just listen back to what you did. And, oh, that word there worked a lot better than using that word. And it is weird, the the, the little things that can suddenly make something laugh someone laugh like i had a joke where i tried lots of airline names and the only one that worked was ryanair you know easyjet didn't work lufthansa didn't work british airways didn't work ryanair did little things like that i have no idea then suddenly everyone's like mm, what, what this guy what's this guy on about so, oh yeah, <laughs> really funny it's like it's a bit like alchemy i think rather than an exact science it's the, the, the continual search for alchemy then, right? Yeah, there, really, you know. really, like digging for gold. And it, it pops up in the most weird places. And also I think having an open mindset where you kind of start writing and then looking for the funny and suddenly it starts to become automatic, natural, and then funny things start to come along and then you go to a an opportunity to perform, open mic, whatever that might be, perform, trial it, and build from there. And it's like anything, the more you do it, the better you get. So my advice would be, be, once you decide to do it, do it as quickly as possible. Next available opportunity, try and work some things out, but keep it personal, your own voice. Because people will know if you rip off a joke or something like that, then they know immediately and they think you're a bit of a dick. Did you see the James Corden, Ricky Gervais? I did, yeah, yeah. 
I did. It was interesting. But Ricky Gervais came out and said it's absolutely no problem. You know, it was an accident. Well, he's just sitting in his house counting his money, right? I he's know. Like, God, he's rich. <laughs> Lucky, but he's, he turns out good stuff. Like Ricky, I mean, like The Office, and then extras, and then that Derek one, and Afterlife. I didn't, I didn't like the Derek one. I don't know, it just wasn't. Funny. I don't, I really, uh, I, I don't, I kind of. Well, not funny, but I thought it was kind of comedy. Well, it was interesting. It was. It was a good, interesting. You know, is more more yeah. funny. Extras was just funny. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think the the Office is class, man. The Office mm. is, is just cringe worthy and surprisingly i like the american one too i was a bit negative about the american one the remake often like oh they'll, they'll ruin it whatever but it is really good the tale is a guilty pleasure then okay music wise it'd be um rick astley oh that's harsh one because everyone always like I, I'm known amongst friend circle for having what they say is a terrible taste in music, but I don't think it is. I like a lot of eighties pop music and stuff like that. So personally, I, I like, don't blame, personally, I don't blame Rick Astley. I guess he's no. just the messenger per se. It's he had the stock stock and water, and but they should be yeah. taken in the back and duly sorted yeah. out. You know, but I thought it's just really good pop songs and the guy comes across really well. And I've always got, I got a soft spot for people from my area. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even sure he is a guilty pleasure. I think he's brilliant. But um, well, he'd be the whole thing, like with the Foo Fighters and all that, right? And just the I every, think he's really good. Rick Rolling or whatever it was. Rick called, Rolling, right? there was, yeah. There was this whole. I remember that came out, and I, I saw yeah. a poster for him. It should be um, Rick Astley for Prime Minister because he's never going to give you up. He's never going to let you down. Uh, I was just, I found it funny, and I think it's really good. So. Yeah, if anyone doesn't like him, fuck him. I, I think he's funny. <laughs> well, the good news is this is this is all about you, man. So my, I keep my guilty pleasures for for my hundredth episode or whatever it is, you know. But uh, Rick Astley's fair enough. You got another one for us? Food wise, it'd be like proper chippy and curry sauce, and it just all looks like someone's shit on the diarrhea <laughs> on the chips. But bloody hell, it tastes good, and you just well, can't get it. Some of that the way oh home, right? god. Yeah. That's what they don't get here. You have everything in me. I don't know what it's like where you live, but here you just can't get proper dirt food at the end of the night. Whereas in my, I'm, I think everywhere in the UK, really, you have a few pints and you can get a proper chippy or a kebab. Here the kebabs are actually seem like health food, whereas you just get <laughs> a kilogram of dirt in it. Oh, God, it tastes good. When Scotland they're calling them, I don't know how long it's been around, but the munchy boxes. So you just get basically like the huge pizza-sized box. All oh, right, variations of that size yeah. with as many fried, like deep-fried pakora. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. Like oh god, yeah. It's but it's heaven. I think this is actually for the hangover. I haven't had. Oh the, god, it's good. I haven't you had eat the, the guts to do it myself. But yeah, you know. drunk at night, it tastes amazing. Then what you can't finish, stick it in the microwave the next day. Heaven, but horrible. You'll dead. You'll be dead in no time eating that. You're not going to last. But every now and again. I guess it's that then, because I remember I show people pictures of it here, like German friends of mine, and they just say, that's disgusting. How can you eat that? And I was like, oh, mate, it's just... <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. Heaven. And proper pies as well. Oh, mm. pies, man. There we go. Oh, God, yeah. So food-wise, it'd be... Because I do like to cook. I like to cook a lot. But yeah, chips. Chips and gravy or chips and curry sauce. And it's not proper curry. It's this... Nothing tastes like it, really. There's a specific thing. If anyone's... Chip shop curry Google is a specific it. thing. Google <laughs> it's, it. It's a, it's specific, a specific thing. thing. It's not proper curry sauce. Definitely. Uh, tell us someone you don't get in, Daniel. Tell us someone that's maybe, in your humble opinion, overrated or you just think 
In, in like general music, comedy, film? Ah, in general, general, movie. In general. Like, it could be music. It could be uh, food, it's whatever you like. Uh, overrated. Italian food. Any old bastard can do that. It's just fucking tomato sauce <laughs> and pizza. I'm always like, what? <laughs> Anyone can do this. In film, I don't know. Why they all skinny? You don't really see that many fat oh, Italians. I know. Oh, God. You go to Italy and you just go out regularly. It's ridiculous. How? Are they always so stylish? I know it's it's, it's in the DNA. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Why does everyone? Where they got the money from? Look good. I know. <laughs> it's supposed, to, and that, but they're not wearing fashion labels. How do they all look amazing? I don't know, but I still reckon the food's overrated. Acting is weird one. Like Keanu Reeves is a big star. I don't think he's a good actor, but he's a great kind of performer, and he seems like the nicest guy in the world. Off stage, if you read the stories about him, uh, apparently so. Apparently, he's a top man. Yeah, absolute diamond. And he was in Bill and Ted, so I, I give him that. Bill and Ted. Oh, I still really find it funny when they say Socrates, not Socrates. <laughs> I still can't. I still can't see Socrates without saying Socrates. Um, we also like music wise. Mm, let's have a think. We, I love like I still like P Diddy moment. and stuff like that. I always think like, oh, the big hits that you've got are basically just ripping off. Really good. I believe, like the, I the kids are calling it sampling, right? Or, sampling, you know? yeah. It's just like bollocks. <laughs> that's just what it is. It, you know? Yeah, he's stealing it. Like the kind of that P Diddy song. He had that big one, like that, which is basically just not even a, some kind of a remix. It was just the police. Every breath you take, you know, I'll be oh, watching yeah, you. Right. That was when like, well, someone get shot. It's one of his buddies got shot. Or something, uh. but it's like, well, at least do an original song. But you just rip off something else. And I just thought, and well, this is not... That's a great hook, by the way. You're like, duh. Yeah. It just like ripped it, but it was almost everything about it was the same. You know, I, well, the, certainly the music behind it. I'm no music expert, so I, I couldn't tell you. Well, I'm sure Sting and his buddies but made a few quid off He probably made it. it so. I know, but if someone says to him, like, oh, we'll give you this fat envelope of cash, for, he'd be like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> Who else would it be overrated? That everyone How about I give, you, I give you a couple and see what you think, right? Ed Sheeran. God, yeah. He's someone I just, God, yeah. I should have thought of that. He sells out stadiums. He's the biggest selling recording artist, artist in the world. And it's if a mystery I turned to up me. in a stadium and I saw a guy with an acoustic guitar and that, that was it and I paid 150 bucks for a ticket. Number fucking... one, I'd be stupid, but number two, I'd be really pissed off. Pissed that off. Was it. That was all I'm getting is some Muppet with and, an And it seems to be just there. like just vanilla. It's like elevating music. It's is just in the background. Is beige? I don't know. But I, for me, vanilla and beige are the same thing. <laughs> but you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, if, if it's in the background, I'm not going to jump up and say, turn that fucking shit off. I just won't notice. Do you know what I mean? And then it's a mystery it's just to bland me. after bland. Just bland. It's like, yeah, it's like elevating music. I couldn't, or music you hear in supermarkets. I'm not going to start raging about how terrible it is, but I'm also just not going to notice it. It's just some din in the background. So, yeah, Ed Sheeran. And uh, they did a show in Munich. Uh, There's the Olympic Stadium in Munich. Absolute packed. Uh, up here at Schalke, just... right? It's not far away. Gelsenkirchen's not far from Dortmund. It's, what, 20, 30 kilometers or something? It's not far. And, uh, yeah, the Veltins Arena, he played there like two nights. They had to move it from Dusseldorf, apparently. Not, not enough, but places in Munich. You can pay 10 euros and see all sorts of new bands, and there's... You might not like it, but there's energy there, you know, and there's like, okay, they're putting something in. People might have something to say or I know. Uh, heaven forbid a hook, you know. Or a, Oh, God, that song you did that about an Irish girl, what was it? Maybe that's what it was called. I don't know, like, oh, I just thought. My favourite you know, one was, uh, I, I can't remember what it was called either, the one about 
It's the one the video where he's a boxer. It's like a, it's like the oh, most rocky God. montage you've ever seen. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just whoever they're like, yeah, get get this kid to do it. Pretend he's rocky. You know, oh, <laughs> like, who comes up with that idea? But yeah. I think that says something, doesn't it? That he's world famous. Everyone knows who he is, but neither me or you could name one of his songs. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't the name an album. You is one. Maybe that's is the it? Rocky. Okay. But I know that as a movie. Might be wrong. There's a really good film. Oh no, that's the. Sh- is that the Shape of Us or the Shape of You? Shape of Us, because that's a really great film. But I couldn't tell you anything. Ab- I couldn't tell you anything about him. I'm sure he's a nice I'm, bloke. I'm I've get- got no idea who he's personally, but. Uh, well, his team of songwriters have been done. I don't know how many times for. I know he seems to get into trouble a lot for copyright and stuff. But also, then if you maybe they, it's it's kind of very corporate. They'll say, "Look, we'll make a hundred million from this, but if we get sued, we pay twenty out, so we're eighty in profit." So like fuck it. The new guitar and a pair of yeah. a pair of coins. So fuck it. Yeah, yeah. He's on his way. Yeah. So the I wouldn't I wouldn't surprise me if at that corporate level of music they just. Someone sat there doing a calculation. Uh, last one in this theme, then a slightly more controversial one: uh, Queen, the band. Aye, I as think in, they're... not as in not the. But the I, know they, I, I do you know what I've. <laughs> we save that I, podcast for another day. You know? I I used to think they were amazing, like genuinely amazing, like the uh, Queen. You know the albums. I used to listen to them all the time. I so many good songs. I really like them, but then I, I found out more about them. Like they they went to performing apartheid south uh, apartheid africa south africa right? and then yeah. i just i thought oh no really need the cash i lads. know because they they were <laughs> already phenomenally successful yeah and i said why would you do that and that kind of put me off you know when you learn something about your hero not heroes but you learn something about someone you really like and it puts you off so i, I only found out about that recently i didn't know until recently and that kind of Rod made me Stewart think. Did the same. There was a bunch of them did the same. I don't yeah, get why you do that. Because it's not like you need the money. I don't know. Maybe if you're absolutely desperate and you've got kids to feed and you're going to be made homeless, maybe you have to make a put your morals to one side to do something that's just horrible. I don't know. But if I'm already a big star and a multimillionaire, tens of millions, I'm not going to do that. Go to a karaoke song then, Daniel. Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. Oh, quality. <laughs> it's just. It's probably because you get a little bit of air guitar when you're doing it as well. Like, no, you know, no, no. I try and do a bit of a performance. So, like, uh, uh, sort of like walking down the street, don't walk away. And I'll do kind of story, like, I'll, right? I'll walk away. Yeah, I, like, I really like songs that have like a little story in it. Obviously, it's not some complex thing, but there's a little story to it. And I love it. I think I like a lot of like Roy Orbison. Like he's a bit underrated. A great and, um, singer, I would say. And, um, it's an iconic voice, maybe yeah, some might yeah. say. You know, I'm right in saying he wrote his own material, right, as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, Pretty Woman, absolutely, every single time. Pretty Woman, Roy Orbison. And then maybe maybe Pulp, Common People. Oh, uh, Then I might have a look on the list and just do something random. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, oh God, Roy Orbison every time. That's my absolute go-to. Bang, I'm doing this. To the point where it's probably, if, some, if I'm going out with mates, it's probably boring. Yours? <laughs> Okay. What's yours? Oh, karaoke song one. It depends. On, I guess it depends on the mood. If you're feeling like that two minutes and change or something, then you do like a Jimi Hendrix Purple Haze or something because yeah. there's no singing in there. 
Oh, I'll tell you what pisses me off, though, that something that really does my head in, and that's when people do, like, say, that Celine Dion from t- song from Titanic. Ooh. It's fucking depressing. It's Friday <laughs> night, Saturday night. Everyone's supposed to have fun, and you're doing this misery. <laughs> Fuck off, man. Come on. Just, <laughs> like, like, honestly, you just don't, you're making everyone miserable here playing your suicide music. Please put something on that people find at least entertaining. I can't stand when, that, honestly, the- like. Moving swiftly on, favourite venue. Either you've played or where you you like to go see someone. I'm sure you've you've shared a few stages in your time. I have a few, but I have to think about that. Where I performed, I performed in this theatre in Antwerp, a play, and it was massive. You know when they've got like the gods and they've got like rings of uh, like seating higher up and boxes and a huge theatre? I performed there and I just like walked on the stage, like did a bit of rehearsal before. And um, I was like blown away. Do you know what? I'm, I can't remember the fucking name. Um, that'd be, uh, that'd be comedy wise. It would be, um, there's a theater in a big theater in Munich called Drehleier. And it's like two, 300 and it, but it's more set up like there's beer table seats. So it's not really like a theater. So people are eating and drinking while it's on. And that's amazing. Really big, fit two or three hundred people. I prefer like the smaller venues. There's a, a venue in Munich called Strom, and I think it maybe fit two hundred people in, and that'd be packed. But it's really just really oh wow. And where else is that? So, a comedy specific venue? No, it, no, it's it music. Be, it's, it's music, it's music venue. Because a lot of the generally the comedy venues are just kind of like back rooms in bars and things like that. Whereas that Drehleier is specifically for cabarets, you know, like, like comedy mm. and you know like burlesque and dancing and singing and and more like fun things uh that one in Antwerp is a straight theater of like almost like an opera house it was massive and to watch stuff in munich i think munich's a bit poor for good venues you know for a city like this it's a bit like tat like i've since i couldn't the first one that comes to my head is strom um and then i struggle there's some bad venues here, I can tell you, bad venues. <laughs> Whereas good venues, I'd say Strom. Yeah, it's got a really nice energy when it's full. And some venues I've found horrible to perform in. The worst venues doing comedy are when they don't open it just for comedy. So you've got people in the back who are just there because, like, in an Irish pub, for example, they're just there chatting. So you can't tell them to shut up because they're not doing anything wrong. But it just this, mm, that's not so great. They're the, wor- the worst ones. To the atmosphere. No, it takes it, away it, from it. Ah, exactly. It's and then at, those are the kind of the worst kind of venues, I think. And the best ones are where you've got kind of, I find doing comedy more an intimate space where you can make eye contact with people and there's like a connection. Last question for you, man. Yeah. Who should we be listening to, whether that be, doesn't necessarily have to be uh, music related, but you know, mm-hmm. it could be comedy related or someone or something you'd like to bring your attention to? Uh, the Comedian Stuart Lee, I think he's just phenomenal. He doesn't really do podcasts or anything. You could watch a lot of his shows on YouTube and things he like that. He does like big rambling kind of monologues. Oh, God, yeah. Really. That's so easy. good. But it's all – I saw him – I went to Edinburgh specifically in June. He does two shows. So it's like an hour – it's basically two and a half hours of just him. You know, and he writes all his own material, and he's just phenomenal. Uh, I just one of those where my cheeks are hurting afterwards. And I saw his other, like a new show he did in August in Edinburgh as well. That's when I was doing little comedy bits, performing myself. And again, he's just so good. My, I walk out with my cheeks in pain and he's just phenomenal. So if there's anyone 
you want to check out comedy wise, I'd say Stuart Lee. There's another one who died recently, sadly, Sean Locke. Oh yeah, uh, so. and he was really good. And there was a a sitcom he made that hardly anyone saw, and it's called Fifteen Stories High. And you can watch that on YouTube, as I think on YouTube as well. And that's brilliant. That is just criminally underrated. How nobody ever saw that, I don't know. And he's just brilliant, Sean Locke. Bloody tragic that he died. There's a music wise, there's a a DJ from Seattle who remixes 80s songs and Japanese pop music called Young Bay. Like, I believe the genre is Vaporwave, and I can't get enough of it. All right, there's something I cannot, for me I cannot get a, a, And also, there's a Canadian band I really like called um, Chromio. I think they're phenomenal. They're a bit like more like a bit like eighties ish, but they're modern. It's now, and they're phenomenal. And also, he's been dead for thirty years, but he died really young. I think he died when he was thirty-two. Bill Hicks, amazing, absolutely amazing. He was like a rock and roll comedian. No no cure for cancer and all that. No, no, no cure for cancer was Dennis Dennis Leary. Leary. Excuse me, but there was a big hoo ha then. Strike me down. But there was a big hoo ha about there's about Dennis Leary basically completely stolen. Bill Hicks is completely yeah, right. robbed him. I remember and that. The there was a big. I'm just all I'd say is draw your own conclusions. Watch yeah, both I, of them I, and I, just I, see. I what I your back part there. Oh, right? Bill but, Hicks uh, is phenomenal. The Bill Hicks stuff. He's going in the Waffle House and all that stuff. And oh, he's, like, he's what, one of ones. What you reading like, for? What you reading <laughs> for? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. What you? Oh god, it's phenomenal. And he was someone who I'd say actually was a big influence on me. Someone I wanted to do comedy. He's someone like I'd say if someone said like. My comedians were like, also made me want to do it, and it'd be Bill Hicks and Stuart Lee. I just think are just fun- geniuses. Just it's it transcends comedy. And on that bombshell, <laughs> where can we find you online, Dad? Or just before we me, yeah, up, God. Um, oh, this is plug, the bit. Plug that this is the bit. Man. I'm not good. Plug that shit. So I do. Um, so basically, Daniel Beaver comedy on Instagram. That's probably the main one, personal one. From there, you can find out whatever shit I'm doing. Or I'm also on like TikTok and TikTok. Fuck, saying I'm on TikTok. <laughs> and um, does, now you kind of you said that with kind of bravado. I don't know, like of, oh god. And so then you can like, feel um, the guilt hit you, more. You, know, like, you can. I've started using that regularly now, so you can watch more nonsense. Uh, that's also like Daniel Beaver comedy. Um, all the links are there. I've got a new podcast now called Beavercast, which is me and a few of the comedians chat shit. But it is, it is, it is I, I'm not just saying it is really funny, but it is. Makes me laugh uh, thinking about it. But uh, yeah. I liked your artwork, by the way, for it. I did that, actually. Yeah. yeah I did it myself. Good. I did it my own. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. That's another. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoy doing that, actually. But yeah. Um, so I'm. Yeah. So God, I'm no good at this self promotion. Uh, Daniel Beaver <laughs> Comedy on Instagram, um, Facebook, Daniel Beaver Comedy. Beavercast is the podcast, and yeah, and now I've started using a YouTube sort. So Daniel Beaver, Daniel the Beaver on uh, YouTube. Daniel, man, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. I I I loved it. Yeah, it's proper fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. Cheers, man. uh, Good luck with everything moving forward, man. Aye, hopefully, same, same. Yeah, same for you. Thanks for making it to the end of this episode of Can't Find My Way Home. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all those other places where you'll find podcasts. See you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>